Hello, my name is Carl Lloyd Hauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because he loves you so much. So I uh, wanted to start um, by sharing a little story of Gina and our, our first kind of really, really big fight. And if you've uh, been in women's ministry, you've heard it before, but you probably heard it wrong because she was telling, and now I got to tell you what, uh, what really happened there. I got to clear the air, but uh, it was actually um, regarding uh, Taco Bell, right? I mean, who likes Taco Bell? You know who likes Taco Bell? I do. I love Taco Bell. In fact, they sold 2 billion tacos last year. I read that if they took all the tacos that Taco Bell sold in a year and they wrapped around the equator, it would go around 22 times. I don't know if that's true, but that's a lot of tacos uh, that they have there. But you know who doesn't like Taco Bell? The rest of my family. Nobody else does. And so it was actually uh, years ago. And so we were um, actually, uh, we were going to uh, this event, uh, some friends, and we were meeting new friends. And I think it was like a winemaking thing. We we're going to go make wine together. And uh, we had this plan that beforehand we were going to go out for a nice dinner, just she and I. And then we were going to go over to this thing with all these other people. And so um, for some reason, uh, we were running late. Now, there's different theories on why we were running late, but we were running really, really late. And uh, so we couldn't go out to dinner. And so we're like, all right, let's go to Taco Bell. So we went and uh, we grabbed Taco Bell and we pulled that along with us. And then uh, we pulled up to the place we were supposed to be and we were still really late. And so Gina's like, come on, we got to go. I was like, but there's Taco Bell right here. And she's like, but we're late, let's go. And I was like, I am eating my Taco Bell. I said, you go ahead, I'm gonna eat my food. And so that was the beginning of the fireworks. And then it uh, just kind of got worse from there. I think we've worked it out now. It's been about 30 years, 20 some years. And we, we figured it out. But uh, it was all about, the whole fight was expectations. And you know, so she had expectations that we were gonna go have this nice time, meet these other people. I had expectations for dinner. That's what I was in it for. And I wanted a good dinner. And uh, we're in this series right now and it's called uh, Silent Killers. And it's these little things uh, for this series that we're gonna talk about that get into our lives, that get into our hearts and they cause big, big problems. And expectations is one of those things and it gets in our relationships and it causes problems for your relationships. And your expectations cause problems for your walk with God and even his plans for you and the way that we interact with God. Our expectations have a huge impact on the way that we do that. Now, I want to make a little distinction between what, what I'm calling, now it's the same word, but what I'm talking, I call expectancy versus expectations. And, and now I have great expectancy. And, and in that, that I, I expect God to do amazing things. I mean, I, I expect miracles and I expect his power and I expect his intervention and I expect his involvement in my life. But when I'm, when I'm talking about expectations, I'm talking about the outcomes. I'm talking about the things that come out of that, how it has to turn out. And see, we are to be very expectant of God to work in our lives, but we have to be careful of the expectations that we're demanding he bring about. Do you understand the difference there? And so I want to talk a little bit here that, you know, having our hearts and minds just, it's a, it has to be this way. This is what God has to do. And I guess the question I would have is really, does he really have to do it that way? 
And I want to take you to a very, very famous account in Scripture. Now, you have heard of Jonah and the whale or Jonah and the great fish. We're actually going to talk about Jonah and the worm. I don't know if you know the story of Jonah and the worm. Now, if you have your Bible, you can open up to Jonah. And we're going to look at the very end of the story, chapter 4 here. And so what's happened, the prophet Jonah is called by God to go to Nineveh to, to preach repentance, really. To, to tell this city, which is the capital of Assyria, one of the most powerful uh, empires in the world at the time, one of the largest, larger cities in the world. And he's telling them it's time to turn. And so, uh, so he goes, but he doesn't want to go there. So he goes the other way, the opposite direction. And then uh, you probably know the story. And if not, listen, it's only four chapters long. You could read this whole story in about five minutes. And so your homework for this week is to read the book of Jonah, okay? And you can get through the whole thing and get the back picture here. But so as he's going, a big storm comes up and they have to throw him overboard. And that's when the fish gulps him up and then spits him out over towards Nineveh. Then he goes and he does what he's supposed to do. And he, he preaches throughout the city. It takes him about three days to go through the whole city and preaches a message of repentance. And the thing is, is God forgives them because they repent. And this is where we pick up Jonah. He's not actually very happy about it. And so it's in chapter four, verse five. So Jonah went out and he sat down at a place east of the city. And there he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Now, what I think he's doing there is he's like, all right, is it going to burn or not? Let's see the fireworks, God. And he's waiting to see if God's going to come through with the words that he said. Because he went through and he said, if you don't repent, destruction is coming. Then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. But at the dawn, the next day, God provided a worm. There's our star of the story, which chewed the vine so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you have a right to be angry about the vine? I do, he said, I'm angry enough to die. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh was more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? Now, it seems like, wow, that's a lot of concern over a plant, right? I mean, so much so that he's ready to die because he doesn't have his plant anymore. But, you know, I was thinking about how my happiness and my state of mind, it's just as fickle. Like, we could have, like, a wonderful service. It'd be a great weekend. And, you know, there's one complaint, just one little complaint. And I'm all, oh, bro, that stinks, you know? You just get one piece of bad news, and it just ruins everything for you. And isn't it amazing how quickly our mood and our happiness can turn? And so he had this expectation that this plant is here, and it's here for me. It's here today, it will be here tomorrow. And isn't it funny how fast, how quickly we think, wow, this is mine, right? This is my plant. Anybody here have a, like a, a fishing hole, a honey hole? Okay, on the count of three, I want you to yell out where it is. No, okay, you're not gonna do that right, because it's yours, yeah? Anybody, have you ever been uh, salmon snagging before? So, so I've done that before and I found the salmon. You know, I'm starting to bring them in and oh, it's so much fun and here they come. But it's amazing, like it, this is my salmon spot. 
And it doesn't take but like 10 minutes till all of a sudden there's another guy right here. And there's another guy right here. And there's like 60 people. You ever seen that before? There's like 60 people and they're all around the salmon because somebody found them. I'm like, hey, this is my spot. And you have to like fish like this now. There's so many. What are you doing? This is mine. Now, when did it become mine? When did I buy it? You know, who gave it to me? Right? And, and see, that's what we often do. And here's the reality. The Lord provided the vine. Now, that word provided, if you look in the book of Jonah, you see it four different times. It's the same Hebrew word. Provided four different things. God provided the fish. God provided the vine. God provided the worm. And he provided the wind. And he's doing things. And the Hebrew word there, it really means to appoint. He was actually preparing these four different things. So God was arranging all of them, not just the fish, but even the worm and the wind. So he brought the fish. Why? What did he appoint the fish for? For rescue. So God came in and appointed his rescue. Isn't that cool? And then he appointed the vine. For what? For refreshing. Isn't that good that God appoints you refreshing? He has times for you where he brings refreshing to you. But you can't forget that God also appointed the worm. He did it. God provided the worm. Why? For discipline. Open your eyes here, Jonah. And he also provided, he appointed the wind. Why? To complete the discipline. To make it very, very clear. So he didn't just appoint him, but he prepared these things in advance, getting them ready for his purpose. In Jonah, he wanted and he expected shade. But God says, well, I think you need some sun. In fact, I think you need some light on your heart here. And I'm going to bring something a little different than you expect. And you expect the vine to bring refreshing. And you expect that it's going to stay and that you're going to enjoy it and keep going in it. And don't you and I do the same thing? I mean, we have some expectations about our health. And as we get a little bit older, we find like, wait a second here. And these expectations, our health is not what we want and what we expected. And what do we do? God, why are you doing this to me? See, we have these expectations for our provision and for our security and how life is going to go and our comfort. And it gets removed or it gets changed a little bit. Like, whoa, God, why would you do this to me? Why did you take this away? It was mine. But you have to understand that this provision, your health, all these things, they are appointed for your life for a season. And God appoints something else for the next season. And he has the right to appoint different seasons and different times in our lives. Because I want you to remember, listen, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have to get this. In order to walk with Jesus, you just, if we're going to do this well, if we're going to do this right, if we're going to do this with joy, you have to understand that this life that we're in right now, it is just the path to eternal life. This is just the road we have to take to where we're really getting, to where we're really going. Imagine that God would come to you and say, listen, I've got, I've got a gazillion, I don't know if that's a real number, I've got a gazillion years of awesomeness for you. A gazillion years of joy and peace and sinlessness and, and fellowship with me and life and creation beyond you've ever, what you've ever even imagined. But in order to get there, you have to go through a few decades of struggle. Would you take the deal? Because that's the deal that he gives us. A few decades of struggle for an eternity 
of what we were really created for. And see, our expectation, and even in some veins of our brothers and sisters, there's this idea, well, I come to Jesus and then it, then it all goes good. And it's all blessing and happiness. And there's so much blessing and there's so much joy and there's so much happiness. But guess what? It was never promised. There's, in fact, Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. But what are we promised? I give you my peace. I will give you my power. I will give you my presence. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will see you through this thing. The waters will rise, but you won't drown. The fire will come, but you won't be burned. He's going to take you through it. But, but he never said, well, there won't be any struggle. And we're like, why is this happening to me? There's a Peter who's like, why, why do you act like something strange is going on right now? This is how it works. And we go through this struggle so we can go to where we are meant to go. And see, but we come in with these expectations and there's so many pitfalls that come along with your expectations. And the first one it's found, I love God's reply. Do you have the right to be angry? He says that twice. What a good question. Next time you're mad, I want to just challenge you. Next time you're angry, take just one second and say, do I have a right to be angry? Well, of course I do. Are you sure? Why are you angry right now? What's going on? What a great question. But I, I hope I can do that next time I get mad. And see, here's, here's the first pitfall. And that is that expectations, when we hold these expectations, they bring unwarranted offense. We get angry, we get offended, we get mad because it was supposed to go one way, but it went a different way. I would say at least half of the fights that I've had with Gina over the almost three decades that we've been married have come from one of us or both of us saying, well, I was expecting, or thinking at least, I was expecting. And wives, listen to me. He should know better, but he doesn't. He just doesn't. And husbands, they should get it now by now. They should, they should get you by now, but you still have to speak it. None of us are mind readers. And there's so many expectations that come and hurt our relationships. You know, you know you're in trouble if you do this. Well, let's just see how this one goes. It will go badly. You know, if you come up there like, okay, is he going to do it this time? I bet he will. Is she going to? I know. She's, she's, yep, they will. They will not disappoint you. You are setting yourself up for these expectations, right? And what problems it causes in our relationships. And see, if you haven't communicated it, if you haven't talked about it, and if you're dealing with me, if you're married to me, right, Jenny, you have to communicate it multiple times, you have no right to be angry about it. Why are you mad? I mean, here's another powerful question. Is this my issue or is this their issue? Gina and I have actually been learning to pray that. When we're going, we have difficulty in our family. The first thing that we're, we don't always do, it, we're trying to, to come before God and say, okay, Holy Spirit, is this their issue or is this my issue? Because sometimes we're angry at them, but the real problem is here. It's my trigger, right? It's my unforgiveness, it's my pain, it's my expectation, and I'm pointing my finger at that like, but the real problem is right here. Is this their issue or mine? All right, here's another pitfall of your expectations, my expectations. Expectations turn a blessing into a bummer. And if we go here, to, let's go to the beginning of this chapter. So we'll go up just four verses from where we started. Jonah 4, verse 1 again. Now he's already done the prophesying. The people are already repenting. 
In verse 1 it says, But Jonah was greatly displeased, and he became angry. And he prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? This is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. Now look at this. This is what he's mad about. Look at what he's mad about. I knew that you're a gracious and compassionate God. Slow to anger, bounding in love. A God who relents from sending calamity. Now look at that. I mean, come on. Listen, when you read the book of Jonah, I, I want to encourage you to take a little time and just pray on that and meditate on that. I mean, that is so beautiful. He's saying it in an angry tone, but that is beautiful. Listen about who our God is. He's a gracious and compassionate God. How wonderful. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love. He's a God who relents from sending calamity. Praise the Lord. This is a beautiful thing. But because of Jonah's expectation, it becomes a bummer. Ah, why? Well, Jonah is expecting God to bring wrath. And here, here, you know, if a prophet in that day, same thing as a prophet right now. So this is what the, the scripture tells us. This is how you find a false prophet. If they say something's going to happen and it doesn't, they're a false prophet. So here's Jonah. Like I said it, come on, God, you got to prove me right. So this blessing becomes a bummer. But Jonah is wildly successful. 120,000 people have repented. You know, the boulder is about that size. So this would be like if I said, hey guys, I'm going to go on a little mission trip here and I'm going to spend three days walking around boulder. All right? And after three days, I come back and I say, boulder repented. Is it okay for me to say that boulder needs to repent? <laughs> anyway, so boulder, they turn to God. Oh my gosh, look what happened. I mean, wouldn't we be pretty happy about that? That seems to be a ministry success to me. But he's got this fear. And he's got these expectations and he's mad. He's angry. God, you're compassionate. You're slow to anger because that didn't fit with what I wanted. And so much of our misery comes out of our expectations. See, I thought marriage was supposed to be like this. And you find out actually marriage is like that. It's not bad. It's just not this. Now, I thought my ministry, I thought you were going to do this, God, and it turns out to be that. Can you roll with it? Can you be okay with that? I, I thought my kid was supposed to do this, be this, act this way, and they're this way. Is it bad or is it just not according to my expectation? And so many things that aren't bad become bad just because of the mindset we take to it. Just because it doesn't match what we thought should happen. You know, this uh, Easter, uh, we had a, an incredible Easter service here. We had more people here than we ever had, and God just moved powerfully, and it was joyful, and God was working. But, but I had an expectation that almost stole it away for a little bit from me. And so as we were um, preparing for it, um, Calvin, and it wasn't a prophecy, it was just as he was preparing, he was getting ready, and he said, you know, I'm going to get ready, uh, we give those, when anybody gives their lives to Jesus, we give them this little packet of a Bible and a book and some stuff, and he says, I'm going to get 200 of those packets ready. And when he said that, I was like, hmm, I had something in my mind, I'm like, we're going to see 200 people get saved this Easter. And so then we had about 60 people give their lives to Jesus, and I was like, just 60 people got saved. 60 people got saved. I mean, come on. What is wrong with me? 
I mean, is it, one is enough to be happy about, you know? And then we had over about 60 people get baptized. And like, we should be rejoicing. I mean, I should have been ecstatic. But because I had this expectation, I'm just like, eh, all right, let's have some ham. Yeah. We didn't even have ham, did we? We had pheasant. It was pretty good. All right. So these expectations, they, they, just, they, they ruin a good thing God's doing. Here's two really important words that every Christian needs to learn. Every single one of us needs to learn to say, oh, okay. Try that. Oh, okay. There, that, that's, see, I thought we were going to do this. Oh, okay, God. Oh, okay, God, you can do it this way. Oh, okay, have your way, Lord. Whatever you want, because you're the Lord, I'm the servant. Now, we hold on to our obedience, our obedience with all our might. And we are rigid and we are unyielding and we are unbending in our obedience to God, but we hold our expectations completely open. Okay. Whatever you want to do, whatever you want to bring. You know why? Because God is always pulling fast ones on us. I mean, he does it all the time. I thought it was going to be this. It was like, no, that's how we started. But actually, the whole point was over here. Brings us in different ways and does new things. All right, one more pitfall of expectations. So expectations cause us to miss the point. Completely miss the point. So what was the point of the vine that God brings? Well, I, I think part of the point was just to refresh Jonah after some hard work. I think part of it was to just show like a picture of his, of his blessing and his mercy and, and his relief. What was the point of the worm? God brings the, that worm to help these people. Jonah, open your eyes. Think about this a little bit, Jonah. It's the point of the wind. You got to see beyond yourself right now, Jonah. But what is the point that Jonah comes to? What's his point of the whole thing? I wish I was dead. That's the point. You're like, what, Jonah? Did you like it in the fish? How was that? I mean, you could read his prayers here in chapter two where he's like, my life was ebbing away and, and, and then I remembered you and there's this great praise. I mean, he was about to die. It doesn't seem like he likes it. And then he says, I wish I was dead. I mean, repentance was the whole point. But Jonah thought his ministry was the point. Totally missed it. It's the expectation that I gotta be proved right. I gotta be shown to be a prophet of God. And sometimes we just have to shift our expectation, right? You know, when, when I uh, uh, first came here, so we've lived here for about 15 years now, and I, I actually, I love the parades that Montrose does. I love our parades. I think they're so fun and they're so cool. But if you come in expecting like a Macy's Thanksgiving parade, <laughs> listen, you're going to be sorely disappointed. There's no floats. There's just a lot of cars and some fire trucks, Okay. Some horses sometimes too. I mean, and that's it. And it's cool and I love it and it's great. But you got to come in with the right mindset of what, what exactly am I getting into here? And see, God has the point, the right to make his point. He has the right to say, no, you, you wanted this, but I'm doing this. And if you get too caught up in your expectation of the outcome, you're going to miss that point. That's one of the dangers. And the blessing becomes a bummer because you couldn't even see the blessing. 
You know, well, I wanted to be with, the, with that crew. I wanted to hang out with those people. You know, I wanted to be part of the cool kids. And God says, no, no, actually, see, the whole point is that I wanted you to love the outcasts. Can you do that instead? Can you come along into my heart? Well, I wanted the new job. I needed that promotion so bad. And is it possible that God says, actually, you know what? Your mission wasn't, your, your mission wasn't done at the old job. Or maybe even he's removed you from the old job and he's putting you to a new place. Like, oh, how could you take that from me? And can we say, well, okay, God, what new thing do you have? I'll let go of the expectation. I'll let go of the way it has to be. It's a matter of faith and it's a matter of trust. And you know what it really is? It's a matter of lordship. Who's lord of your life? You know, that, that's part of, of following Jesus. That's part of our salvation. Confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. He's Lord of my life. Which means he gets to decide. And you and I need to come underneath the Lordship. And one of the first points, one of the first experiences of coming underneath the Lordship of Christ is to say, okay, here's my expectations. One of the first things, if you're going to lay down your life for Christ, one of the first things you're going to have to lay down is the outcomes of how your life has to go, what it has to be. What's going to take place here, Lord? And it's a shift from expecting our preferences and our plans and our outcomes to welcoming his ways, his work. Now, with great expectancy, I know he will come through. I know God will be involved in the midst of this. I know that God is mindful of me and he's watching over me. But he gets to determine what the outcome is. So instead of looking at the outcome, we're just really looking for his involvement. I have so much expectancy for what's going to take place. This is a wonderful time to be alive and a wonderful time to be a follower of Jesus. And I think he he's, is doing and will do great things in your life, amazing miracles in your relationships. I think he's going to use you in powerful ways and he's already doing it. And I think we're going to see more and more. See, I'm expecting miracles and breakthroughs and freedom in life because that's what God does. I know that's what God brings. But since it's him doing it, I don't get to determine what it looks like. I obey, I follow, and I praise. Put yourself in Jonah's shoes for for just a minute here. Just just think about it. You got two responses. There's two ways you can go about this. You know, you can say, okay, God, you took my plant, right? And then you made me go in that water. And then you you didn't... follow through on the warning that you made me say, and God, I am better off dead than all that. But then you just shift it. You look at the same facts and you, and you say, well, I expected a boat, but you provided a, a fish. And I expected to see them burn, but, but, but you brought repentance. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, God, for not giving me what I wanted. You ever prayed that prayer? Thank you, God, that you didn't give me what I desired and what I chased after. Thank you for your mercy. And can, can we come before him and what, when it doesn't go like we want, can we say, okay, God, are, you're, I know you're in there somewhere. I know you're doing something in the midst of this. I wanted that, but it, but it went this way. And I'll thank you, hallelujah, God. Thank you that you're involved and that you're working. 
So I want to just, I want to have just like a little ministry time right now, if you'll let me do that. And, and what I'm going to ask you to do is I just want you to think of that, that one outcome that has to happen. That one thing, it just, it has to come through. It has to go this way. Just think about that right now. I'm going to actually ask God to bring it to mind. So Holy Spirit, we just bring to our minds, and many of us already have it. Lord, will you just show us that one thing that we are just, oh God, it has to go this way. Please, God, it has to go this way. Okay, now what I, what I want you to do is, uh, if you would, just, just open your hand for just a second. And, and if you just bear with me, but just kind of mentally put that thing, just put it in your hand and, and close your hand right now. Close your hand in front of you. Now, Lord Jesus, we just bring all these things. Lord, you know every single outcome we're desiring. You know every situation here that we're holding here in front of us. And Lord, I just pray right now, I pray for your power. Holy Spirit, I pray for your wisdom. I pray for your insight. Lord, I'm praying for every single one of these that you come and that you do a miracle. These things that are in our hands, God, come and do a miracle in them. Lord, bring breakthrough, bring life, bring help. Lord Jesus, do something amazing in the midst of it. But, God, we let go of our expectations. Just open your hand right now if you're willing to give him the expectation. Lord, we just open our hand before you. And the way that it comes out, Lord, the way that you work, the thing that you do, Lord, we just present it before you. We say we trust you. Do with it what you will. Bring about your way, your truth, your life, your plan, God. We lay ours down. God, we thank you that it may not look like we expected, but we just hold it with an open hand, knowing that you are good, knowing that we can trust you, knowing that your loving eye is on us, that you never leave us, you never forsake us. In Jesus' name. Remember his faithfulness. Remember his promises. Remember his goodness. And how many times has it worked out for you? How many times has he come through? How many times in the middle of the disaster does he just somehow, he finds a way and you go forward and in the ashes, you find beauty again? So I'm telling you that, that he'll come through. Whatever you had, he'll come through, but I don't know how it'll look. So we trust, we obey, we believe, okay, Lord, it's yours. The outcome is yours, and I thank you, God, that your hand is on it. You're gonna take us where you need to go, where you need to go. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in Him. God bless you.